riding across the globe. Now. Good evening, South Africa. Good, e- good afternoon, America. My name is Cooley, and this is Umani Radio Conversations. We're broadcasting live from Danbury, Connecticut. Today, just like yesterday, just like always, come broadcasting live from Southbury, Connecticut, which is at home. The message has me on those uh, babysitting duties. I told my daughter, I said, honey, I'll be back in an hour. I'm going to talk to some very important people. You sit here and wait. No, I'm just kidding. She's there with uh, waiting with uh, somebody who's watching her, actually. Uh, we're just going to be, uh, me and you guys, talking. And we have some l- nice guests that decided to join us today. And we're still talking about the same conversation, disability. I just want to uh, give a shout out. Thank you to all the listeners from all the countries that just joined us. Uh, especially to you, South Africa. You are in this week and I love it. Today, just like all week, uh, we have Southern African guests and they're going to share their stories of disability and success. These ladies are recipients of the Valhalla Tributes Awards. And for those people who didn't get the chance to find out what uh, or you just join us today and you don't know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the Valhalla Tributes Awards. So in 2010, in 2010, Valhalla Arts unveiled the Tributes Awards, which is a Tributes Excellence Award, a special project conceptualizing to honor women with disabilities who have left a lasting legacy in our socio-economic and political landscapes. Tributes Awards were designed to involve all South African or Southern African community in identifying and nominating high-profile women with disabilities who deserve recognition for the sterling work they do in their local communities and the wider society. Each year, 13 finalists are selected in specific categories and are invited to a three-day fun-filled celebration hosted by Valhalla Arts at any chosen province in South Africa. So far, there's been 91 tributes statuettes awarded. And out of those 91, we are interviewing 13 which are the finalists that won. And today, I've got the two wonderful guests that are going to be joining me shortly. Actually, I have them on the phone. They are just waiting in the other line. I'm going to introduce them to you guys. Firstly, I would like to start uh, with Wendy. Wendy Hicks, welcome to the show and how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And good afternoon to America. It's wonderful to be speaking to you so far away. I'm I'm so grateful to have you and I'm, we're all grateful over here in Money Radio to get this opportunity to interview you guys. And uh, th- this next lady, I don't want to actually um, butcher the name because the Zulu out of me from Nongoma says, I think I can say this name, but I think I can say it. I'm just going to try. Hopefully she doesn't get offended. I have um, the International Award recipient, Sempi Kenwe. Kenweya from Lesotho. Sempi, did I say the name correctly? No, you didn't. You actually <laughs> pushed it. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Train me, train me. How do we say your name? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I feel so embarrassed right now. How do I say it? 
Kine uwe. Oh, kine uwe. Kine uwe. And uh, the, the first name is Sempi, right? Kine uwe is the first name, and my first name is Sempi. Oh, okay. You know what? You know who should blame for that? I think we should blame Dabezita Musazulu. I think he might have put it the other way around. I apologize. Kine Uwe, and her last name is Sempi. She's from Lesotho. Yeah. She's an international award recipient on the Tributes Award hosted by Valhalla. And also, Wendy Hicks uh, is also a mother of child award recipients from Valhalla Arts Tributes Award. I'm so grateful to have the two of you uh, ladies. It's going to be a great show. I have other people that are going to join us. And I really appreciate all the listeners that just tune in. And I'm seeing a lot of, of countries pop in. Uh, really nice to have you guys just to listen in and understand and get to actually be able to know. What, what what are we talking about because sometimes we fail to understand what are the what is a disability people tend to go all over the place i do the same thing too so i'm gonna start with you wendy um your case you are not disabled but you have a daughter that has a disability called the adhd correct yes that's correct with with specific um learning difficulties that she falls within the special needs bracket. Oh, okay. All right. So if you can just tell us a little bit about that when you and your husband, uh, David, right? Uh, Donald. Don, oh, you know, I'm getting all the names incorrectly today. I'm going to get myself better. I apologize. <laughs> I really, really apologize about that. Donald, forgive no me. No problem at all. <laughs> um, can you just tell us a little bit, uh, when you and your husband, uh, Donald, find out about uh, uh, your daughter, um, when was it and how did you find out? Because as far as I know, this is something that came into my attention, especially since I don't know a lot about these things, but just as of recently, I find out about ADHD, what, what it is. I find out probably about 10 years ago. I don't know if you guys knew when your daughter fi uh, had ADHD, what was going on, or you find out through the doctor. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Okay. Um, uh, my, my daughter, her name is Nicole, started off in a, in a remedial school and... Um, we were informed after her being in the first grade that she was really having um, problems with learning. At that stage, they didn't really tell us what the learning barriers were because we needed to now go through all of the, the uh, psychologists. We needed to go through speech. We needed to go through out, um, occupational therapists. And eventually what came out that she was ADHD with specific learning difficulties, which actually brought her into the cognitively handicapped level um, um, of, of learning. So she was, she was really challenged and she had, um, well, she had major learning barriers. So we, we went from there not quite understanding at that particular time what it actually entailed. And as much as one goes to all these, these experts and they sit in front of you and they tell you that this is how she is presenting, there's never quite an understanding um, from them as to what the road is ahead of us. Um, and I was, I was particularly concerned in the remedial school and, and being a mother and, and obviously 
um, a father, we just felt that maybe she needed to go into a mainstream school and and let's just see how it progressed from there. So we, re- we moved her, which was ridiculous at the time, but we didn't know that. And we got her into mainstream school, and which we call, uh, call in South Africa. And um, after she'd been there for three years, we were called in to say she really wasn't coping in any area um, of her school life. So where to from there? Um, everybody said, well, now start looking for a school for her that would cope with her needs and at on her own level and at her own pace. But unfortunately, your, your mainstream schools, your remedial schools that were now saying that, that because she was cognitively challenged, she wasn't fitting into their criteria for, for being educated. So that's how Donald and I got to stage, I have to tell you, in great tears and under trees. We were sitting under a tree at this particular school. And eventually I said to him, well, then I'm going to open my school because I have the absolute passion for these children or for my child at that particular stage, and I knew what her barriers were. So why couldn't I run the school? Now, it's never as easy as that. So then I started doing my homework, and I went around and I started seeing schools, and unfortunately in KwaZulu-Natal, we had so few, it was very limited the amount of special needs schools, not remedial schools, but special needs schools that were that were available. And the only school at that stage that was available, she was too young for. So that's where we, um, um, Wendon Academy, my husband actually named it as Wendy and Donald, Wendon Academy, and we decided that we were going to open. And that was the June of 2002. So I started to go through the Department of Education. They kept on referring me to uh, this particular school that took older children. I went to go and see them. And fortunately, I was so blessed to meet my first teacher. She was a special needs teacher. And she came in and said, well, let's look at the curriculum. um, Because now I wasn't a teacher. I'm a nursing sister. So as far as the curriculum was concerned, I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't have any idea how to get there. And Mrs. Gooding, Saray Gooding, came on board, and she was just amazing. She took on the curriculum. I built the school here at home. Um, I never wanted a home school. I wanted a homely school for our children because I really believed that if these children came into an environment where they were happy, they were working on their level and at their pace, they would start to do well, and you would see this immense pride and joy coming out of their little eyes because they could do the work that was set before them. And that's exactly what actually happened. In January of 2003, we opened the little school. I had six children in uniform. I mean, they couldn't believe that I had put them into uniform, but they needed to blend into the other schools. They needed to feel part of every single schooling environment that was around South Africa. And that's what we did. By <laughs> by the end of January, I had 10 children. And by February, I, have, I was getting the most amazing phone calls from parents to say, please help my child. So we decided that we needed to find a bigger school premises, which is exactly what we did. So in, in January of 2004, we opened a school where we went from 26 children 
to 88 children within a year and a half, of which all of them are, um, they range between um, cognitively handicapped and low, low average, and they are children that are normally between two to five years behind their chronological age, which again doesn't allow them to interact um, or uh, cope in a mainstream environment and allow them to progress forward because they're too far behind. So these are the children that, that really don't ever write what we, what we do in grade, what our grade 12 a mainstream school is a national certificate because we're always trying to keep, catch them up um, in the academic work. And um, one of the greatest challenges that we see every day, yes, the academic levels are really compromised, but it's the social and emotional development that these children are so far behind. So again, you may have a 12-year-old child who is presenting emotionally and socially on, on an 8-year-old level. So it's so difficult to, to integrate these children into children who have no learning difficulties because they just don't speak the same language as the children they, because of their, their immaturity and their, their, their social, their lack of social integration. Mm. So those, to me, are, are the greatest challenges that they, they have. But um, the learning that we give them in the school is, is very natural, as I've said a few times. It's on their own level and at their own pace. And it, it's absolutely amazing. There's, there's a huge amount of repetition. There's a huge amount of love for these children. They, are, they, are, they know that they can actually come up and give me a hug. They can give a teacher a hug. And they, they just need that, that confirmation each day that they are doing well. And I, I must say, I'm terribly blessed to be head of the school and to be the owner, I have to say, because the children will just walk into my office in the, in the course of the day. They come and show me what they've achieved. They come in and uh, tell me exactly um, you know, how they're feeling. They can sit down. Some of them even come and have a cup of tea with me because their, their little emotional um, uh, inadequacies need that little bit of time to just get them to relax and discuss what is actually happening in their lives. And, it, you know, right. how do I explain to you yeah. when you see children who have never had the opportunity to be somebody who's going to get out there and achieve and be recognized and hope in the world one day when they, when they leave is just phenomenal. So, uh, you know, it's, I, I keep on saying yeah. I am incredibly humbled by the children that come through my life. Oh and my God! We, we we are really really happy for all the work you and your husband are doing. And just to verify, the name of the school is that uh, the is a Wenden Academy. Is that the name? of Wenden. It's Wenden. Yes, Wenden. It's W E N, which is Wendy, and Don D O N, which is Donald. Wenden Academy. Okay. And where is the school based out of? I just want to make sure that we repeat that. We. We're based in Durban, uh, in Westville. Um, it's a suburb outside central Durban. Okay. And um, yes, we're in, a, we're in a, a home, a huge home that we've converted into the school. Wow, wow. You know what? I can't even express exactly how I feel about all this story you just told me because it just got to show that 
there is a lot of good people over there you could have easily just look out for only your child but you decided to open up your arms because you realized and understood what was needed and that's a great thing that's a great thing i'm really happy for what you and your husband donald are doing it's a great thing and uh, i hope it keeps going up and up and up and involve even more um kids and involve even more of the community and i just want to um go to uh miss sempi before she thinks we forgot about her miss sempi <laughs> you are in lesotho correct yes i'm in lesotho okay all right so um your disability is a uh, uh, visual impairment right yeah visual impairment Okay. So let me ask you a question. So when you are uh, first finder, I mean, um, was this a situation where an accident was occurred or you were just born with it? No, I wasn't born visually impaired. Um I got injured at age of 5. We were playing with my cousin and then his throw was taking my eye. My right eye is totally blind. Okay, okay, all right. I'm sorry about that, honey. I just didn't get all the story here. So now, let me ask you a question. Growing up, understanding myself as an African, that growing up in an environment like in Africa where uh, most of those things sometimes you find that instead of uh being cared for or taken care of correctly, you find that a lot of people just know nothing about it than to make jokes and laugh about it. Well, did you get enough of a support from your family? or the community as such even your relatives uh when you grew up with with uh, with the impairments um you are right growing up as a visually impaired child in the rural area is not an easy thing at all but fortunately for me i got enough support system my parents were so understanding they gave me all the support that a child needed mm-hmm. actually they treated me like a non-disabled child The challenge is like oh, I got the challenge at school because they were teasing you know how kids are they can be mean at times mm-hmm. and the teachers as well they called me names um wait, I guess wait they a didn't minute the teachers you said how to deal with children with special needs at school Miss Mp you said that the teachers too were were making fun of you or they were just getting frustrated No they were not getting frustrated They called me names oh regarding my, my situation. They even laughed at me at some sometimes. I'm so yeah. sorry. I'm so sorry to hear that. But just such an amazing woman that you are, and I'm looking at all of uh, your achievements. It's it's incredible because I mean, of course, we're just celebrating what you have done to add to the community, and then talking about things that has happened in the past. The only thing we could do right now. is to sit there and say we hope this is the end people go forward with the understanding of what's going on in this world when it comes to the uh, disability commu- i mean to the com- to the disabled community so they understand what is needed what is needed is support and understanding and that's what we're going forward to so i want to go to all of your achievements probably i can talk about all of them but the ones that interest me the most i'm just going to highlight a couple one It looks like over here you were selected as a, a vice publicity secretary for Lesotho National League of Visually Impaired 
persons? Is this like one of those non-governmental organizations like an NGO? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, are you getting any support from the third party or from the um, from the businesses in order to be able to keep the organization running? So how do you guys keep the organization running and what is the response from the community? Uh, this is the visual impact persons, as you have just said, is a non-governmental organization. We depend on donors solely. Um, but fortunately, our, our government partially supports the organization. They, we have a rehabilitation training center and the government takes control. They finance the center, everything concerning the center. Oh, okay. Oh, that's so great that yeah. you... That's so great that they are helping and they are trying to make sure that you guys keep it going and have the doors open. How how is the response from the community? Uh, there's a lot of work to be done. To be honest with you, um, uh, the terrain of our country is so confusing. You know, it's a mountainous area. Lesotho is a very mountainous country, so most of the time, the work that we do. Um, we can't get to the remote areas due to lack of due to lack of funds. As I said, we depend solely on donors. Mm. Um, um, so yeah, the rural community still lack information concerning visual impairment or disability in general. So there's a lot a lot of focus that's going to be done in our country. Mm, mm, mm. You know what? I, I I wish you know this thing because this is not just Lesotho its own. I'm from, from an area of, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with South Africa. Uh, in the other side, close to Swaziland, there is a place called Nongoma where King Gudul Zolitin is from. So that's where I'm from. It's a very remote area of uh, the country, Zululand in South Africa. And I was just talking to uh, one of the ladies, Ramani, who's uh, actually an advocate for people with disabilities. And I was talking to her, I said, you know what? When it comes to things like anything in South Africa and you find that it's so centralized, all kind of services that are needed by people are so centralized. So people like where I'm from, they just never know about these things or they don't even get attention when it comes to these things. The only thing that I, I could hope for is that one day South Africa will just be able to expand services, decentralize everything, make sure that people whoever wherever you are you still get the same services as people who are close to the cities but i'm hoping it will change like that too in lasoro um let me talk about uh, in 2016 it says uh you were um selected to go to washington i mean i'm thinking it was a, a mandela washington fellows for young african leaders initiative it was a program so that actually brought you to America, is that correct? Because I see that you went to Virginia Tech too. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, and uh, how was that experience? So amazing, you know, when you go to America and you meet all the Africans with dreams, with visions, because we were selected, I think we were 1,000, but at Virginia Tech, we are about 15, 16. Oh, so nice. you get to meet all the young African leaders with visions, with goals to achieve. You feel mm -hmm. like, you know what, who I am, I'm actually doing nothing. Mm -hmm. wow. All I can say is that I went to America to meet Africa, the Africa that I didn't know about. 
you, you, you know what you you'll be so surprised and, and i'm glad that you're saying that because i was um just telling one of my friends who was saying uh so when you guys have a show uh how many africans do you get i said you know what the reason that we started broadcasting in this radio station was the reason that there's so many africans and stories like yours stories like uh wendy's uh those are the stories that get missed because as we are outside the country we try by all means to keep in touch with what's going on at home but the thing sometimes we don't get to connect with the right people like yourself to find out exactly what's going on uh when we leave the show today i want i want you to remind me uh miss simply uh i want you to connect you with one of uh, my friends uh who uh from lesotho uh, she does a lot of great work over here um and i would just like you to connect with her and uh, just remind me at the end of the show okay that would be wonderful. Okay. Hey, um, Wendy, I, I just didn't want to cut you off like that because now we forgot about you, but we haven't forgot about you. So, Wendy, so now uh, we talking about the school now. The school is working and functional. Are you getting any kind of help or any kind of help at all from the government? And uh, how is the community responding to it? Because knowing uh, the Durban area, I'm pretty sure there's quite other schools too that uh, serve this, maybe not necessarily the same purpose, but for special needs. Uh, there's quite a few in them in Durban, if I remember correctly. But uh, it was always, uh, when I grew up, it was always not as supported as much. Uh, I don't know if things have changed. Are you getting any support from the community and the government? Um, well... First of all, no, we don't get any support from the, the Department of Education. Um, you know, what's happened is that um, the, the education now is, is um, it's, they're wanting inclusive education, which means that they are wanting to include every type of child um, into a particular school. Um, but it's not working. It really is not working. A remedial child, yes, can can integrate depending on their challenges. But a special needs child, who is the children that we take, are the children that fall between the cracks. So they they don't get included into the schools. And if they do, the schools are not coping with the children because once again, and I'm not going down the whole uh, situation in the schooling, but uh, schooling system, but there aren't enough teachers for the amount of children that come into their classes. And these, and I always I sympathize with the teachers because they have such a workload themselves that to deal with a special needs child who is two, three years or even four years behind their chronological age, how do you teach them and then maintain the, le the mainstream level? So it really, really is difficult. So no, we don't get any subsidy from the Department of Education. And uh, look, the public... You know, it's it's amazing about the public. Um, the public only start to get to know about the schools when they need a school like ours. Otherwise, the children go to mainstream. They don't think beyond that. So again, as just has been mentioned about the education of the public, there's so much that needs to be done within the, within the public. And I I always said. When, when my child was at school, and I've never reneged on that, that I don't care who phones me, I will sit on a phone for an hour, hour and a half to help parents who are really battling, whether they come to our school or not, 
to try and get the word out there about what they can do and, and how that there is a light at the end of the, at the road. So the public, those that need us, the, the support is unbelievable. Not financially, but certainly from, from uh, supporting us in, um, oh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll mention to other, other people about Wendon Academy and if they hear of anybody who needs special needs, um, they will refer them to us. But from a financial point of view, no, we don't get any help. We self-funded completely. Um, my husband will tell you that he's broke all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are self, we self-funded. And yes. um, I have to give my parents their due. They pay school fees. Um, and that's also becoming tough for, for parents in South Africa at the moment. The economy, as you well know, if you keep up with the times, we, you know, uh, people are battling in South Africa, but we are self-contained and we are doing, we are doing okay. They, the children have every single thing that they need to improve and encourage their learning. Wow. Wow. This is great, great information right here. I really appreciate what you and your husband are doing. It's, 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 it's incredible because this is just not something that, uh, a lot of people are doing it. A lot of people have said, no, cost too much. Let me help my child. Only only my child is more important here. You're actually doing it for everybody. And that's incredible, seriously. I, I just can't. I'm so amazed for everything that you just told us today. Um, just to ask you a question, though, when I was talking about the community being involved, because I just want I'm not trying to go back with times here, but I know for sure growing up in South Africa that there was a time when... Um, even kids who go to different schools, uh, what do you call badly able people were encouraged to give yes. back, do things to support. And one of the things that I remember was to actually do things for other people. Of which in this case, you could have a school and uh, you are in Westville, so you're close to the university. Uh, you could have those students who uh, can come out there and, and plant a garden uh, have vegetables growing all year long uh, as part of um, as part of the success you know what I mean because if you can't get mm. any help from the businesses you're funding all of this by yourself and the community of course with the economy and everything and I understand but simple things like that you know fresh vegetables because I don't know if you feed the kids or not but anything can help is it something that you have extend to those universities or, or try to involve other institutions or not at all? Yes, uh, we certainly do. Um, you know, there, there's so many um, avenues for us. For instance, we will get lecturers to come in or students who come in and talk to our children about um, oral hygiene or they'll come and talk about... Um, um, my mind's gonna blank here. But okay. they'll come and give us a demonstration in the cooking side because we do hospitality with the children. That's one of the last schools that we teach them. Um, they'll come in and give us time in, in the sewing, show them how to sew things together. Yes, that, that's what they will come in and do. As far as starting, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies will, will ask you about, um, the BEE standards. Uh, again, I, I don't want to go through all the sound now on the radio, but certainly, um, you know, uh, companies are very, 
very aware of or, or want to be very aware of of their BE standards and how they can get back as well. So sometimes it doesn't always work, um, but those uh, we've got uh, the Lions Club that have donated money to us and they'll, they'll come and they'll give us a project. I had a, a, a parent who had a company who came and built our bathrooms for us. We re, uh, redid all our bathrooms for us. So, yes, we do get that isolated case that, that they'll come in and help, and we are always incredibly appreciative. Also, the, the, we've got a policeman who is our adopted policeman where he comes in and he he will give us time to talk to the children about drugs and about, um, you know, what is right and wrong in, in doing in the community. So he's very involved that way, or he'll come and bring the police force and we'll have a soccer day with them. So, yes, there are so many people that will come and do small things for us, which, mm. which, is, which is just unbelievable. So, yes, I'm not saying that it's completely, uh, we, we are completely on our own, but we are certainly self-funded. Mm, 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 incredible, honey. I really appreciate you, Dad. I just wanted to highlight, because we're talking about, uh, I just want to highlight one of my friends who's uh, based out of uh, Amsterdam. Uh, she just wanted to share a story. Her name is Tam, oh my God. Um, sometimes it's kind of hard to read people's names on Facebook. Well, anyway, she sent me an inbox about her child. Uh, her name is Tamara Wise. Uh, she, oh gosh, Tamara, forgive me. Is Shanzia? Shanzia. But anyway, she was going to be able to tell her own story. Unfortunately, um, with the technology and everything, it didn't work out properly. But this is her story. Uh, just going to highlight it a little bit. Uh, she said, my daughter okay. is a permanent resident at the Woodside Special Care Center in Roden Porch, Cape Town, South Africa. I don't know if you know that place, but okay. she was just highlighting yes, about it. Yes, I do. Oh, you know about it? Yes. Okay, and then she just wanted to say... In Cape Town. Yes, yeah, in Cape Town. And she mm. just wanted to say that it's an awesome uh, care home uh, for 90 various disabled babies, kids, and young adults. Um, and uh, mm. she didn't say exactly what is wrong with her child or what is... Uh, her child disability but uh she just wanted to highlight that thank you tamara for sending that in and i also have a friend of mine that i'm going to introduce on the show but before i go in there i just want to ask a question uh uh from miss um, mp um so in 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 lesotho uh, i'm i'm pretty sure you have at least two or three big universities over there yeah only two two universities oh okay so i'm i'm trying to find out yeah. do you do you work with them by any chance to try to at least you know to, uh, i still have you over here can you hear me yeah i can hear you okay i just wanted to find out uh do they actually do anything to try to um to help you in any kind of way or even just to help with the awareness part or you don't work with them at all Okay, um, I'm no longer with the National League of the Visually Impaired Persons right now, so I opened my own company named Information Access Solutions because okay. I had realized that many visually impaired people struggle because of lack of access to information. Okay. So we specialize in producing information, learning material into braille and audio for the visually impaired people in Lesotho. 
especially learners because they are the ones struggling uh, more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. So we are still in negotiations now with the two universities and colleges that we mm -hmm. can work with them and establish audio libraries so that the visually impaired learners can be reasonably accommodated in their learning system. Mm -hmm. And let me just repeat the name of the company, if you don't mind. And do you have a website? No, we don't have a website yet. It's still a new company. Oh, okay. And then is that, uh, the, I mean, just make sure I read it correctly. Information Access Solutions? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I would just want to introduce another, um, I just want to introduce another friend of mine here who was in the show yesterday. She's based out of North Carolina and she'll be telling her own story. And she also has her own story of uh, disability that she has and she's going through. And she's just going to tell us a little bit mm -hmm. about it. And uh, she can actually be able to. Um, Amanda, and this is Amanda Human, uh, Miss MP and Miss uh, Wicks. Uh, this is Amanda Human, and Amanda Human is based out of North Carolina. Amanda, today I have Sempi, and Sempi is based out of Lesotho, and I also have uh, uh, Miss Hicks, and she's based out of Durban, South Africa. And uh, would you like to say hi to them? Yes, hi ladies. Welcome to the program. Hello, Amanda. <laughs> Hello. Uh, Miss Hicks, are hi, you still colleague. there? Uh, Wendy, are you still there? Hello. Can I we still here? You still there, Wendy? I, I can't hear you. Can you hear you? Can you hear me? I think we might have lost uh, Wendy. I'm going to try to get hold of her. I don't know what's going on with the network, but I'll, I'll get hold of her. But anyway, uh, Amanda, welcome to the show again, and I really appreciate you joining us today out of uh, North Carolina. Uh, I just wanted you to, um, if you have anything that you'd like to share with uh, uh, Sempi over here, uh, Miss Sempi over here. So she's based out of Lesotho. She runs her own company that helps uh, people with uh, visual impairments and uh, is called Information Access Solutions. She actually studied here in the United States. Uh, uh, in Virginia Tech. What is Virginia Tech again? Uh, I forgot what their mascot is. Miss Sempi, what is the Virginia Tech mascot again? Pardon? Do you remember what's the mascot for uh, Virginia Tech? No, I don't remember. It was actually a short course. So I was there only for six weeks. Oh, okay, all right, okay. But you were there, I remember. Yeah. I will find out. But anyway, Amanda, go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off. So oh, um, basically, I can just again highlight the differences in um, accessibility that people have with um, regards to bathrooms and how easy it is in America to move around. And from a student point of view, I still think that America is a lot more sensitized to disability and aware um, and not frowned upon. Um, than what South Africans are. South Africa is very much still, people with disabilities is very much still the, the forgotten society in South Africa. They frowned upon and um, their true needs or their voices are not being heard efficiently by government to make sure that they are incorporated in society and not just excluded. Um, and I, I'm picking up even from a school point of view that that happens that the children are not um, 
used to people that are different. Um, they they are being made fun of, and 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 that's sad. That's sad from from having a disability from early childhood on, and then being treated like that. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, is there anything that you would like to say? Um, is there anything that you would like to say, Desambi? Yeah. Hey, Amanda, um, thank you for your input. All I can say is not in, only in South Africa where visual, uh, people with disabilities are forgotten. It's all over, I guess. In my country, it's even worse. Um, for example, the country may introduce free primary education and they may have everything in place for the so-called normal learners for them to be able to study frequently. But as for the visually impaired learners, you may find they don't have all the resources to enable them to, 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 to fully participate in the classroom. For example, um, learning material won't be accessible for them. They depend solely on their friends to read for them on their spare time. And that hinders their progress academically and uh, eventually in, profit, uh, in, everything, in all the areas of their life because education is the foundation for everything. If you don't have uh, the quality education, your life will be miserable. So I don't think it's only in South Africa, it's in every country, especially developing countries. That is why we push for disability mainstreaming in development agendas. Yes, 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 yes absolutely. Well, go, 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 ahead, uh, go ahead, Amanda. I can just um, confirm that even in my son's school, there is a number of visually impaired um, students and they come to class with their guide dogs or their service dogs. So the service dog and, you know, the children are being sensitized towards um, the other pupils having a disability. And, and, and there's a variety of different disabilities. But, you know, for example, having your service dog with you, even at a school, going to school level, would be so much more appreciated with people with those type of disabilities back in South Africa. Yeah, absolutely. And let me ask you a question there, uh, Amanda, and for you also, Miss Simpy. Uh, when it comes to, because Wendy, uh, we I, I lost Wendy, probably I won't be able to get her for the rest of the show, but we really appreciate you, Miss Hicks. I will try to get in touch with you after the show. Um, I just wanted to ask, because she said a great point here, that uh, what the government is trying to do is trying to integrate, just basically, if you have a disability, just put you to any school that specialize in that forgetting that every kid need a different attention so do you think that i don't know what is being done here in america uh, is do you think that's a great idea just so that the kids can learn from each other or do you think that's a bad idea to just in, in, in kind of like integrate somebody with the um adhd with somebody with uh who might have an MS or or a kid that might uh, have other different disabilities for them to attend the same class. Would that be a great idea because it can help to limit the cost or is that something that shouldn't be even thought of? You can go ahead, uh, Amanda. Well, from my point of view, I've just heard a, a lady the other day talking about... Um, ADHD, and she was saying that these type of children, they need a support system and they need a support group. And there's a lot of value um, from, from, from understanding 
um, themselves and learning from one another. So certainly that would help to communicate within your own group um, what are the individual challenges. But I also think from a general society population point of view that if, if you from a young, young age get exposed to, to people with disabilities, you are just so much more sensitized to it. It's not a, it's not a foreign thing that, that, that it's coming across your way. You, you know how to, to behave and not to stare and um, act not normal. Yes, yes, just act normal. Uh, go, go ahead, Miss Sempi. Is there anything you want to say about that? Yeah, I think um, intra-grading um, learners with special needs, uh, I recommend that. Actually, in the future, that. But what we say is getting deeper in the concept. You know, sometimes you find things being placed in classrooms and no attention whatsoever is given to them. We lack of teachers understanding how to deal with children with special needs in a classroom setting is a problem in my country. For example, you may have a visually impaired learner in a classroom, a totally blind child, and then a math teacher will still point at the shop and say, this plus this. That includes a visually impaired learner in a classroom because he or she doesn't know what this is that you add to this. You know, I think we have to deal with, um, we have to, 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 to train teachers to introduce training, teacher training colleges and universities, the inclusive education concept, so yes. that when teachers graduate, they know how to deal, how, how to integrate children with special needs in a, in a classroom setting. That would be a fair concept to do with. Mm, mm, mm. Absolutely. Great no, no. suggestion. Yeah, no, that's true. That's absolutely true because that part of teaching the teacher, it's actually been forgotten. And the funny part is that while you're saying that, Miss Sempi, uh, is that even in, in my job, I was just looking at what I do for a living. And now they are starting to really pay attention to that because before you have a new material, things change. And uh, as you could see, there's so many things that are being brought in to make it easy for the teachers the doctors, all kind of things just to make it easy for them technology-wise. And that people who find that they are still teaching those things are the people who been teachers uh, for like 20, 30 years. Nobody is going back to that uh, classroom and take that teacher out and say, okay, now there's other things that we can do to make your life better and to make it easier for a child. And, and find that some of those people too are resistant because they believe that, oh, I've been doing this for 20 years this way and it's been working for me. But no, I, I think you are right about teaching a teacher and it's the very important thing. That's what can actually push the, the agenda forward and that, that can benefit not just the child, but the whole community. And I just wanted to say, uh, ladies, if I can just highlight, um, uh, there is a, a friend of mine, uh, Sharon Ines. Uh, she's based out in, in, in San Francisco. And uh, she sent a message that I can uh, read um, uh, to you ladies and just to read on air. She's listening right now. And uh, she said, uh, treat people with disabilities like normal people. We all feel the need to conform with a disability that makes that almost impossible. But learning to embrace the disability can turn out to be a true gift. 
and uh, actually you ladies and all the ladies I've talked to all week, you are actually a, a living story of that because I mean, some people, I've met people, I mean, we have a Veterans Day today in America and uh, I, I know friends of mine who were in the war and they came out at the lost limbs or anything, but I know a lot of them who actually just said, okay, now I'm disabled and they just fall apart. But there is stories like yourself, Miss Sempi, like uh, our whole other ladies we talk to, which are the stories that actually make you think that, okay, these ladies through all the challenges, look what they've done for themselves. They've become not only just people who, who um, don't need anybody's help, but they are people who are adding value to the community, of which I think that's something everyone has to think about. I really appreciate to have you guys today. Is there any last words you can say uh, before we close the show uh, there, Amanda? Um, Kuli, you know, uh, I can just reconfirm that last statement. And that's very often in my life that people are looking at me and um, they might see a wheelchair or a cane. Um, but what they don't realize is that I still have a functional brain. I can still have a conversation and my conversation might not necessarily be about stay soft or washing powders. It, 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 it can be intellectual and yeah, um, stimulating. Mm, true, true, true. I really appreciate you joining us too, Amanda, today. I really appreciate you. I'm going to get off the air with you right now and uh, I hope you join us again. You were such a great troop. I really appreciate you two days in a row actually doing a show i really appreciate you amanda okay it's a pleasure thank you Kuli. okay thanks amanda miss sampi while i have you on the show because i'm going to close the show with you uh, is there anything that you can tell us as a, an african community based out of overseas and you are at home uh, get to see everything that is happening get to experience everything that is happening that you could like to urge people this side to do or to be involved in or even uh, i mean i i don't know because you probably know a lot more over there of what people can do on this side oh yeah all i can say is that um to everyone who is listening uh african or not uh people with disabilities are just normal people like you are. They just have different abilities. So in everything that they do, you guys have to support them. Help them achieve their goals. Do not judge them. Um, do not look as a person with disabilities and see disability because you can, before you can recognize that the person is actually a human being. Respect their rights and help them achieve their goals. And to all the women well, who came before us, the women, the recipients, the tribute recipients, all I can say to them is that uh, once again, congratulations, guys. Um, remember that in everything that you do, you have to put extra effort because if you fail, people will say she failed because she is disabled. She failed because she is a woman and because you are not a failure. Give everything that you do, you are all. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Ms. Sempi. I really appreciate you joining us today. It was just such an honor to get to talk to you because I got to learn a lot of things from you. And uh, you know what? I just can't wait to um, to get to meet all of you guys. You know, I have a one-year-old that if there is anybody that I will say they should be a role model to my one-year-old daughter, it will be uh, all of you because the stories that you brought to me uh, the, the things that you're doing to make a difference to the community. I think that's what everybody should be doing, but unfortunately not. Uh, before I leave the show... You're listening to Bunny Radio. Uh, thank you so much to all the countries that were listening in today. I really appreciate you guys, especially... I just want to highlight a few countries over here, so I can close up the show. Uh, Alaska, I'm going to call you a country again, so... Uh, you are not a country, but thank you, Alaska. Thank you, America. I appreciate you for tuning in. And uh, thank you to South Africa, too. This is incredible. South Africa is listening. And uh, I did actually send a request to you, uh, people in Thailand, um, that if you can reach out to us and let us know who you are and what you enjoy about the radio station. And that would be great because we really appreciate you to connect as Africans overseas. And then I want to say thanks to London. I saw you all the show. And uh, we also have, um, um, oh my goodness, sometimes I can't read. Uh, what's the name of this country? Okay. Uh, um, anyway, I couldn't read that. So it didn't come through correctly in the, in the printer. But anyway, thank you so much for everybody that tuned in. And I really appreciate you guys. Keep on supporting us. Umbani Radio, you can find us on uh Instagram is Umbani Radio. Find us on Twitter as Umbani Radio. On Facebook, Umbani Production. And also, you can find the Home Away Show uh, on Facebook. And uh, you can always let us know how we're doing and if there's any shows that you are interested to in the future. Just to close the show, uh, before I forgot, because Miss Sempi, they need to find you and be able to find you on social media, all the listeners. What's your name on social media? On Facebook, I'm Nelson P. That's like it is written. Oh, okay, all right, okay. Do 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 you want me to spell yeah. it, or 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 I already did too much damage? <laughs> yes, please spell it. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so on. You can find you can find Miss MP on Facebook. Is uh, uh, the how to spell the name is K E N E E. I mean K E N E. O U E yeah. and uh, S E M P H I. Find her on Facebook, like her, and um, you know, support us and let them know what they're doing too at home. They're doing some of the greatest things. So please reach out and let all our people know. Thank you, Miss Sampi. We're going to get off the air, me and you, America and the world. Thank you so much for listening to us today. Bye.